and breathe. The COVID festival of footy is over and now is the perfect time to take stock and start looking towards the run up to the most unique and important funnels campaign in AFL history. Who's legit, who's overhyped and who's underrated, aka who is great value? They're the important questions ahead of round 13 and with me to answer them all is the punter's prophet himself, Big Bustling Baz. How'd you enjoy a, a, a regular week of football, mate, with a couple of days off? Did you... Miss it, or did you get you know, lots of R and R and you know do something else for a couple of days? Um, oh, I've caught up on Netflix because uh, last last chance you and uh, Hard Knocks, uh, a few other little shows are on Netflix. I've been ignoring for the last few weeks, but at the same time, I don't know about you, but Tuesday night and last night and even tonight, with being Thursday, it, not having the footy on is pretty crap, I reckon. It is a bit like that. You, it's the first time in a long time I've sat around and been like, oh, yeah, what am I going to do tonight? At least the rugby's on tonight but and the Storm are playing, which is a good thing. But, yeah, uh, not having footy on after getting it for 20 days or whatever it was straight was a bit flattening. But I think we're about to get another little uh, footy frenzy anyway. So it might be all right coming up. I'm pretty sure they're going to try and get as much fixturing in as possible with – Issues that might be happening with finals, uh, which uh, will be can be will be interesting this year with finals. There, there is a possibility that we might have uh, a week's break in between final games, and even the possible two weeks breaks, a two week break between the preliminary final and the grand final to allow for corporates and all that sort of stuff to come up, have their fourteen day uh, ISO to go to the game, which. I've heard a few people in the industry talk about on uh, Footy Classified and Fox Footy and stuff, which is quite interesting to, for that how that will shape but uh, or work out. But, yeah, interesting times coming ahead. To be fair, though, that's no different to the Super Bowl. That's exactly how the Super Bowl rolls. So I know we shouldn't just automatically follow American sport, but it's like it is a yeah. system that has been done before. And other championships do it as well. The Champions League, you play a game here, you wait two weeks, you play another game. So it's not impossible yeah. to get your head around, but it is definitely very different for us Australians and our Australian game. Please do something! Do! Don't think! Think! Don't hope! Segment one, Coach's Corner. The big question here, and I don't want to do it from a media point of view. I don't want to do who who was right, who was wrong. Are they a flog? Because I don't care. I don't care about that. What I care about is from a coaching perspective and how it affects the playing group. So today's question, should players pull their heads in? And it is in reference to the, the tit for tat going on with Tom Lynch and Mitch Robinson and to put all out there, Mitch Robinson's obviously been hoodwinked by the media here because they pulled out something he said two weeks ago and retrofitted it to fit a story about Tom Lynch that happened on the weekend when he hit Sam Collins in the guts or didn't hit him in the guts apparently because of all the video. All of that aside, if you're a coach and you see Tom Lynch acting the way he does on the field or you hear about Mitch Robinson acting the way they do off the field or other blokes like Toby Green, for instance, that play on the edge do you say something to them or do you just let players be players? And if that's who they are and that's how they act and that's how they want to be, you say that's who you are and we accept you and we'll roll with it. I think you got to toe the line a bit. It's it's pretty hard. For, for me, I, I definitely mention it to the players, saying that if you do give away a free kick or you do get suspended or give away a 50, you're letting down the team. So you're affecting the team performance, you're affecting the team res, results. So that's, that's you got to find that line. And look, if if... Say uh, I've had it before. I've had players injured for giving away fifties for being, you know, irresponsible and and uh, not disciplined. I've dragged them off and you know given them a bit of a clip and 
even at senior level, I know players have had to apologise to the whole group as a whole, uh, stand up and apologise. So, um, you know, you put it back on them a bit, but I've, you know, <laughs> something I'm probably you get, you, you probably get a bit stiffed anyway. So, yeah, look, I definitely would bring it up and just say, look, uh, you probably don't need to do that. Let's just concentrate on winning the footy and doing what you can do to make sure we win the game and, and you know, especially if you're a player like a, a Tom Lynch or a Toby Green, they're, they're, they're the sort of players that win games for you. So you don't want them missing because they, they could be the difference in the game. Obviously, you've got your players that can play and you get your stars that can do miracle things and dangerous things and things that other normal players can't do and you want them out there. So, yeah, you definitely would be telling them to pull their heads in a bit with that sort of stuff. What do you make of comments then by teammates? And I think a lot of it is just flying the flag or the team line. But I think uh, Jack Rewatt was on television this week saying, oh, that's how we like to see Lynchy play. Like playing on the edge is where he plays his best footy. So do you actually, as a coach, do you actually in, like instill that into your players? And like if, they, if you know they need to be riled up, do you, do you rile them up? Or is that just all BS to excuse poor behaviour and uh, poor discipline? That's, uh, that's the media manager getting into Jack. and Because I... Guarantee you behind closed doors, I would, could have said something to him about, you know, let's just probably pull back on that. You've been pretty close to the air, getting suspended the last couple of weeks. You know, with the Brisbane incident, you got fined twice this game. Like, come on, let's, you know you're not allowed to do it. Next time you do it, they're probably going to look to make an example out of you. So let's just stop it. But then the other boys would be like, yeah, this is a quote we're going to use or this is a story you're going to go with when, when you get asked about that in the media because, yeah... <laughs> I'm not one for really motivating players that sort of way. I think players need to be, should be motivated themselves and want to play together in team football. And, you know, we're not like NFL where we can say, go out there and be violent. Because you, and even to a certain extent, NFL, American football has changed in that way as well because you can't really hit high and that, that those rules have changed as well. So, um, yeah, you can't encourage players to go out there and, and bash blokes. You encourage them to go out there and be physical and win the footy. And by winning the footy and being the first there to win the footy and lay the tackles, that's been physical in itself. But it's also a different sort of messaging instead of going out there and hurting them. So if you do it legally and you actually go to win the footy and you do it right, then that's that's the best way to do it, I reckon. Yeah, very much agree with you there. The other side of this uh, conversation is on the off-field aspect. So the, the outrage cycle in sports media in Australia at the moment is be outraged by something that uh, happens on the field, and it's okay to be outraged if you're a if you're a spectator or if you're a pundit or a commentator. Then a player or players will will tip in and say something, and then you get outraged at a player's response to that because obviously players can only just play footy and that's it, and they can't be people and have opinions and and do whatever they want to do outside the football field. So, Mitch Robinson came out said some things about Tom Lynch, how he thinks he's overrated or whatever it was. It's not really that important. But the question here is that that happens a lot in American football to the to where the extent where American players have their own podcasts, they have their own media agencies. They're actually having the autonomy now to just do it all themselves and say, well, we play the footy or we play the basketball or we play the baseball. We may as well talk about it as well because we're the ones doing it. So if you want to know what I think, I'll tell you. Whereas what happens in Australia, we, we all go cocoa bananas and it becomes an email worthy newsletter thing or a front page article or whatever, a bit of clickbait on Facebook. So do you think if you were a coach, you'd be telling Mitch Robinson to pull his head in or maybe not do the Twitch streams or you just say, I don't care what you do as long as you rock up on a Saturday and get your 12 touches and three tackles and your 14 team performance KPIs or whatever they are? Yeah, I think 
yeah, oh, look, oh, oh, I had a player last year kicked a pretty good goal in the wet, and they made a bit of a video out of it because we had the game uh, filmed and. You know, he, he, he tagged the field of the opposition and, and made sure they knew that the video was there and that sort of stuff. And it, look, for me, I don't really mind it. Play, I reckon players and people should have their own personalities and, and be able to do that sort of thing. I love it in American sports, you know, players calling out other players and even their own teammates. They're not afraid to, to have a crack at their own teammates. I mean, uh, Leveron Bell's probably one recently he's probably been pretty active on uh, social media with some players leaving his team and stuff like that so I, I rate it I don't mind it as long as you rock up and perform and back it up on the field um, I've got no problem with it even as a coach like like I said if you want to express yourself and have an opinion on someone or something that's fine as long as it's not you know stupid or racist or anything like that so you get the club or anyone else in the trouble but if you have you know opinions and you want to voice them everyone should have an opinion they should be allowed to have an opinion whether you agree with it or not doesn't matter uh it's a it's a world we live in it's a sport industry as well so everyone has different opinions on sports and teams i have a different opinion to what you might about richmond or another team so that's fine i don't dislike you anymore i don't think you're a wanker or anything i just it's your opinion so that's fine we're allowed to have different different opinions it's what I reckon it's great about the world. So if a player wants to go out and say something or do something, then I reckon it's great. It's good for the media. Like the media cracks the shits about players being too robotic and too, you know, don't don't give you much. Well, when they do, they get they get canned. So, you know, it's a bit double stands for mine. But I, I, I even though the Mitch Robinson thing was taken out of context and it was stu- like how people have, have you know, reacted to it when it was done two weeks ago. He was responding to a smart-ass bloke on Twitch. He doesn't even actually call Tom Lynch a wanker. He's being a bit smart himself. Um, you know, like, let's put that into perspective. But then, you know, his Twitter his Twitter reply was pretty funny, and that's the sort of stuff I like. So, And even these old old, old players that get upset by it, like, you know, Jordan Lewis and stuff like that, come on, you guys used to punch blokes nonstop on the play. So just, yeah, and Robinson's on it, not – perfect himself either he's got a history but yeah I, I rate it yeah I think so as well and the part I find a, a bit hilarious is that during the first COVID lockdown the last dance came out and everyone was frothing how basically Michael Jordan just made up a story he'd go into a game if he wasn't feeling it he'd be like oh yep they're bench player I'm just going to give it to him all game I'm going to give it to him off the court I'm going to pretend that he's now my number one enemy and when it actually happens in real life, we're like, oh, no, that can't happen. Like, it would be so great that if, if this actually continued and if we actually asked Mitch Robinson, like, do you actually really dislike Tom Lynch? And he might be like, yeah, I really do. I think he's a flog who went to a good team to get premiership success. And then imagine if Brisbane plays Richmond in a prelim. That's a great, that's great yeah. for the media. Suddenly it's not only Richmond versus Brisbane and, you know, old coach versus newish coach. It's... It's Robinson versus Lynch in like the hate showdown. It's it's it becomes Iverson versus MJ type stuff. It becomes like real and tangible and like narrative and all sorts characters and the story. It should be yeah. good. The media should be like yes, as opposed to now nah, play it safe and you know don't call things out. It's it's such a backwards and restrictive response from the media that I don't get. And that's one thing I would like to see become more of the American model where you just go. Let's let it go and let people be people and have some fun with it because that's what it is. It's sport. Like it's yeah. If it's racist or sexist or homophobic, sure. Like you, you obviously have to stay within the bounds of human decency. But you're you're allowed yeah. to not like people because people don't like people. So if he doesn't like Tom Lynch, 
I think he's allowed to tell us he doesn't like Tom Lynch. Yeah, that's fine. I bet if you said to him, you don't like Tom Lynch, he goes, nah. But 100%, like, he would say, I respect him and I think he's a good player, but I just don't like him. Yeah. And that's fine. Not everyone's going to like everyone. He could in even go further, though. In life. He could actually come out and say, I think he's overrated. I think he's a joke. And he should, and like, if he wants to prove himself, he should go back to Gold Coast or something. He could go, he could go outlandish if he wanted to. There are people yeah. on radio that do that every day. So I think if some old bloke who works for ACN's let her come out and say ridiculous things, I think Mitch Robbins let her come out and say ridiculous things too because that's well, obviously his opinion. <laughs> yeah. Even Jordan Lewis has said some ridiculous things. Someone said during the week that that might have been Kay Corns actually about to, to, um, Tom Hawkins going to Esther and like, yeah. you, like seriously. Just, like, there just are Facebook accounts out there that people just make stuff up. Yeah. Actually just so, make it up. So if you have an opinion that's yeah. lived experience, you should be allowed to share it. It's because you're a player. Yeah, sure. very silly. So more of it. Mitch Robinson, come on the show and voice your opinions. We'll have a little segment for you, mate. So enough of the pontification and on to the predictions, what we do best. And I thought given this the uh, finale of the football festival we just had, it's time to look in at the markets, looking at the futures about the premiership contenders and um, – See if we can help our help our listeners and our fellow punt, punters uh, make some make some profits. So, my first question to you: I'm going to look at some of the outsiders who are currently outside the eight, whether or not they can make it. I think my answer here is going to be no to all of them, but are the likes of Essendon, are the likes of Western Bulldogs, Carlton, are they going to, are they going to be featuring deep? or deep enough in the funnels to have a have a little a belt play on? And then after that, what about the Giants? Because they're currently outside the eight and playing some pretty crappy think, football. Essendon and Carlton won't make the finals, I, I don't believe. Uh, Western Bulldogs are, I still think, a 50-50. Just, they've got a pretty nice little draw. Uh, a lot will come down. If they don't beat Melbourne this week, then you can put a line through them. Uh, but I think, yeah, those three teams are going to find it very hard to make the finals. But Western Bulldogs are a possibility. Literally, if they win this week, they're, they're a good chance. If they lose this week, they're done. So, um, yeah, and GWS, well, they've got some big issues. So, uh, they, you, unless they play – I don't know if they played Adelaide and North yet because that, that's the only chance I reckon they've got of winning any more games. So, um, they've got some big issues with their setup, how they – yeah, they, they, they're, they're all over the shop. They're, they're like an under-19 side at the moment, setup-wise, GWS. They run home, though, after this week. So this week's hard, obviously, against West Coast in West Coast. But then they play Fremantle, Carlton, Adelaide, Melbourne, and St Kilda. So if they turn up and anywhere near the Giants that we knew last year, that's five wins. But that's a big if at the moment because you can't back them. That's a massive if. So I reckon you could probably almost give them them three wins, which would give them nine wins. Nine for the year, which would almost probably get you into the eight. Mm. So, and then they're dangerous, obviously. But yeah, I, I still think they've got a long way to go. As we saw against Sydney, uh, yeah, their, their ball movement's terrible. Their defence is lacking, and if you can move the ball quickly and surge it a bit on them, and they don't really want to run both ways, and they're set, they're set up behind the footy is non-existent, and their four-line structures uh, borderline worse than Collingwood's. So. Yeah, they're in straw. Now watch them come out and win six in a row, classic Giants style. But uh, so you're a fan, like I am, of the Plunge app, and it has two features. One is it's a market mover and the other one is a drifter. So I've got two of those in our next 
kind of segment or chunk of the ladder. So we'll go with your boys first, the the market drifter. Collingwood's out to 17 bucks, but you're still in the eight. Yep. You're currently seventh. Is there anything yep. you can do this season to kind of bring it back in time for finals? Because you probably are going to finish inside the eight still, and you're probably good enough to beat the teams that you need to beat, like this week against North, fingers crossed for you guys, to, to do that and to finish in the, in the finals contention. But when it comes to funnels, will you better go back to what you were playing in the front half of the year and the back half of last year? Well, obviously a lot of that's going to be dependent on the style of footy we play at the moment. We're very stagnant, uh, over-possessed with handball um, and can't really score and can't move the ball forward. So, you know, a lot of the better teams at the moment, the top four in the, on the ladder, they all are leading kickers. Like they, they, they kick the ball the most in the comp. So that says a lot. Well, we're still handballing a, a lot. Our handball to kick ratio is pretty high. So I think we need a slight uh, adjustment to our game plan. We need to back our forwards in and just move the ball quicker and that bit of surge mentality sort of stuff because, yeah, we're, we're pretty dire at the moment and we just don't look like it, to be honest. And I can't see us tra- turning that around. Even if we get players back, which I don't like using as an excuse because you, you've got who you got on the 22 to take the field. You just can't be looking at players that are out because you might not get them back. And if you do, they have your full capacity. And who else do you lose as well? So at the moment, the way we're playing footy, it wouldn't matter who was on our... We look at GWS, look at their team and look at how they're playing. I, I just don't think it matters who, what players you got if you haven't got the style and um, you're not setting up around the ball well enough and defensively. Because like some of the score, some of the stuff that Melbourne are able to score against is like, was absolute schoolboy sort of stuff. Hmm. Like even still, side bottom was you know trailing blokes by three or four meters at a stoppage, and they, they'd be able to have a shot at goal pretty easily uncontested and kick a goal. So that comes down to effort and uh, how you want to intensity and stuff like that. And maybe we just don't have it. We're not hubbing as well. We don't have that culture and leadership that I thought we might have had. Yeah, and that could it- go back to to all the stuff that's going on with Steel, side bottom, to Goey, Buckley, um, all that sort of stuff could have just yeah, come to a head and we've got our own little issues. So, Yeah, and the, the little issues kind of build up because it kind of suggests an underlying selfishness because it's not that hard. Like Every human in Victoria currently understands to some capacity the rules and every day we make a judgment or value decision on do I break them or do I follow them? Because realistically speaking, you're probably not going to get pulled over by the police and we do – what we need to do and how we think we need to do it. And most of the time, I think most of us are trying to do the right thing. But when you see even your coach do something that's clear, like it wouldn't have been that hard for Bucks to realise I can't play tennis. And so even when the coach is doing that, you're kind of like, well, it seems like the value system of that togetherness and the things that Brisbane and Port and Richmond and West West Coast seem to have at the moment about that. We're all in it together. It's all every week. Let's go. No excuses for the most extent. Um, isn't really happening, it seems, at Collingwood. And so that's been something in the last couple of years that they've been really, really good at. And this year, obviously, not so much. The flip side of that, as you mentioned, is Melbourne. So that Collingwood were the market drifter. The market mover, and though it is from a very long way out, is Melbourne because obviously the Fox footy factor, the SEN factor, they're clearly the best team in the comp at the moment. They're going to win the Brownlow, the Coleman, they're going to win all of it. At $26, are you backing them to win a final, let alone uh, finishing the top eight? Uh, no, because they might finish the top eight because they've got a soft draw. But we saw earlier in the year when they play against good sides, they're not, they're not up to it. Um, and I still don't think even with 
the players playing back and then playing their best style of footy, I don't think they're still good enough to be challenging the top five or six teams in the comp. So I wouldn't be backing them to win the flag. Win a final, maybe they might get lucky and, and draw some. Like, like if we both, if Collingwood and Melbourne make it, I know who I'd rather be on if we play each other in a final, Melbourne. But I don't think they're going to be challenging the top five or six sides in the comp anytime soon. So, and again, they need to win this week to probably make the final. So, because um, they, you know, the doggies to be one of the teams they're going to be challenging along with Mel, uh, Collingwood and GWS and um, you know a couple of others that, to make the eight. So. Yeah, they need to keep winning Melbourne, but this this weekend will ha- this weekend's going to sort out a few teams, I think, that in that eighth spot because there's only five games left as well. So, mm. but they're playing better footy. Don't get me wrong, but they've also played three teams that are pretty ordinary. So, um, ordinary teams make average teams look better than they actually are. They do, and then when you compare them again, to use another horse analogy against the appropriate grade. They lost by 27 to West Coast. They lost by 51 to Port Adelaide. They lost by 27 to Richmond. The only time they actually showed up against the top four side was against Brisbane, and they still lost that encounter as well. So they're yet to be in the they're to place in a class race really this season. So and they, to be fair, Brisbane took their foot off the pedal pretty much after the halftime of that game. And if you look at if you watch the game, they 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 should have got pumped by Brisbane. But just a typical Brisbane sort of game that was seen a bit from them lately, where they just haven't been able to put teams away on the scoreboard and. They let them back in or they take the foot off the pedal. Or, uh, I don't think Brisbane are travelling quite at 100%, which is probably a good thing for them. Um, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't look too much into that Melbourne-Brisbane game. But when they've played the top teams, they've clearly been a five or six goal worse side. So, mm. yeah, I wouldn't be buying too much into Melbourne. No. Wouldn't recommend it to our listeners either. So right, we've got five teams left. I'm going to put them into two tiers. So, We've got our front runners, which are apparently are the outsiders in the market. So Brisbane are $7, Port Adelaide $8.50. Why is it that currently in the football media, having a really effective plan A is a bad thing? So for the front half of the year, football media, the mainstream media has been pleading out for football teams to take it on direct, to play aggressive footy, to take shots from difficult angles, to try and do all the things that makes exciting free-flowing football. And now that we get five weeks out from finals, everyone's telling us that because Brisbane and Port Adelaide like to search forward, they like to take the game on, they like to play dangerous, um, value-add football, that that's the reason why they're going to lose in finals, even though for the first 16 weeks they told us that's how they're going to win games. Yeah, there was a stat put up on on the couch that only did the last four weeks or five weeks, whatever, just because it suited their narrative. And if you look at – and it said the last four games, right, which has been obviously in this little frenzy sort of pack where we've seen, you know, four games in 20 days or if you're GW, uh, Gold Coast, it's like five games in 20 days. Um, so it suited their n- narrative around, you know, Richmond and, and Geelong and West Coast when if you look at the season, you know, Geelong, uh, you can probably excuse Geelong, but Port Adelaide and Brisbane have been the leaders. They play a front half game. They like to lock it in. They, you know, they're easy to score at the back because they push up really high to keep that ball in there and set up defensively really well. But, you know, you can get them out the back. Uh, and that's why they're so easy to score against, which, you know, yeah, it's a flip side. But if they can make enough of their opportunities when they're inside that 450, we've seen them win games all year and they've been pretty competitive against the top sort of teams. So, you know, Brisbane have beaten everyone except for Richmond and Geelong. Uh, Port have beaten everyone except for, I think, 
they lost to they lost to Geelong and uh, they beat in Richmond. So, and they beat West Coast as well, Port. So, and so did Brisbane. Um, so I, I don't know why they decided to do this, but it is what it is, and it just means we get better odds for Port and Brisbane. They on on Grand Final day, your Plan B or Plan C is not going to win you the Grand Final. Your plan A that you've been sticking with all year, your style is going to win you the grand final. So, again, yeah, you have to adapt sometimes and do things a little bit differently. But whatever your plan A is, is the game plan that's going to win your grand final day, not your plan B or C. So, if it's get some 15 wins out of 17 or 12 or 13 wins out of 17 and finish top two on the ladder, I think I think that's pretty good going into finals. Um I must make an apology on Geelong. I've hammered them a bit over the last two years, but uh, I really think they're actually probably they should be probably premiership favourites at the moment. The way they set up, I've seen a lot of Dan Grand footage of them over the last few days, and some more uh, analytics from their game style and how they play. And they're they're super well coached, super well organised. They know what's going on, and for me probably training away from skilled stadium and getting up in the hub has been a blessing for them with their style and, and the way they're playing. And they should be premiership favorites. And I've made a mistake. I, I put a line through them early. I apologize. I'm taking that line off them. I said that probably last week, I think when I backed them at $12, they're already into sixes, um, which was on this pod. I mentioned that. So yeah, Geelong, Port and Brisbane are my top three. And that's my hopes going into the end of the season. That's very interesting because, uh, Obviously, a lot of narrative is being, you know, shortening the time frames to fit the stories they want to show us on, on Fox footy or footy classified, whatever it is. But Port Adelaide, Brisbane and Geelong have all gone seven and three or better in the last 10 weeks. So that's yeah. why they're on top of the ladder, one, two, three. That's because they're winning more games than they're losing by a fair margin. The ones I yeah. find interesting, so we'll get to these in a second, but the other thing the other thing I find interesting about Port in, uh, in particular is that if Port is so easy to score against – then why are they ranked top four in in points against? Like why did why are they why have they considered less points than Richmond and less points than every other team except for West Coast and, and Geelong? Like so if they if they're that easy, then obviously they're not actually that easy to score against. It, when it gets out, it gets out and they get scored against, but they're not actually yeah, allowing it to happen. No, what I mean by easy is mm. that they they give up a lot of scores per inside fifty. Yeah. So. They're easy to score against in that sort of sense, which Richmond are as well. Mm. So that's that's Richmond's main problem. But Richmond don't play a similar sort of style to Brisbane or Port Adelaide. They're a bit different. So they do have that forward mentality. They they they're a slightly different side. But yeah, um, they they've given up a lot more points than Port and Geelong have, and Brisbane probably as well. I think they're ranked eighth or ninth for points conceded this year, Richmond, which when they won their flags, have been top three. Mm. And um, no, sorry, for their scoring, they're ranked eighth or ninth, sorry. And for points conceded uh, from inside 50s, I think they're ranked 15th or 16th in the comp. So again, when they're winning flags, they're in the top three or four of both of those. So that's where Richmond are very, very different this year and they're not as good as they were, I think, and that's why they won't win the flag. So, and they've been scored heavily against from stoppage. Look at teams that are... uh, stoppage scoring dominant like your St Kilda's uh, and that's why St Kilda were very good against them a few weeks back and, and that's why Gold Coast were able to stick with them for a while as well because they were able to smash them at the 
that they can test the ball and at the stoppages and the clearances, and that get, and that's the way Gold Coast likes scoring from as well. And you know, Gold Coast ran out of legs in the end and probably rue the missed chances in that first, oh sorry, second and third quarter, but just like probably Richmond did in that first quarter. So the other thing that's happening against Richmond this year is they intercept marked a lot against this year. So even though they got big two big forwards, there was. 24 intercept marks against them on the weekend, which is, I think, was one of the season highs, and 14 of them were inside defensive 50. Uh, sorry, they're attacking 50. So that's something Richmond haven't allowed before. And for a Gold Coast team to be able to do that, um, then wait till someone like a West Coast or a Geelong, those sorts of teams who have really good intercept markers and really good plans defensively, I think that's going to stifle Richmond a bit as well. And we will find that out in the, in the run into funnels because in the last five games, Richmond play West Coast and Geelong. Uh, in between yeah. S- in between winnable games against Essendon, Fremantle and Adelaide to finish. So they'll go two from yeah. far. They'll make the finals. I don't think they'll make top four. The last one to put a line through then is, of course, the current bookies' favourite and everyone who is basically living west of the Victorian border, West Coast. And so everything's set up for them at the moment, being over there in their own hub, in their home state, in front of their home ground, with their home umpires. They're currently paying five bucks. They're the favourite. They're the moneymaker as well. Why Why shouldn't we invest in West Coast? They're still – they're very reliant on um, scoring from stoppage, which is Nick Nat. And when that doesn't happen, they – and we saw against Carlton once Nick Nat got his influence sort of stifled by when the Koning was in the ruck, they – they were, able to, they were able to get scored against pretty heavily. I know McGovern wasn't there, but if you kick like, say, Hawthorne did for a period, uh, they're very, it's very easy for the West Coast defence to set up. But once Hawthorne got their game going a bit and were able to move the ball pretty quickly, which we're seeing Port Adelaide and Brisbane do, and that's why Port Adelaide and Brisbane have beaten West Coast, uh, it's not that easy for them to defend. And, you know, they get on top of it. They get on top and easy to score against as well. And, yeah, they've got a big four line. It's very dangerous, their four line. Don't get me wrong. And they can score. They can get scored against just as quickly. And we know about their grand ball issues. Um, so if it's a wet, dewy sort of a game, as we saw against Carlton, it also, all of a sudden brings in the opposition team a bit more as well. So they do play very tall. So when the ball does hit the deck or it's not quite their conditions, it doesn't really favour them, which as we see in Brisbane and Gold Coast, what happens when it's uh, night time, gets dewy and a bit wet, you know, it doesn't help West Coast. And if you look at their record, I think they're 6-0 at uh, Optus Stadium this year, but they were what? Uh, they had three or four losses when they were in the hub. So, and if you look at what's happened in the finals, guess where the finals are going to be? Probably in Queensland. In Brisbane, yeah. So they won't get it at Perth Stadium. So, um, stiff Eagles, unlucky, but you're not up to it. And keep winning at Perth, and you've got a really good fixture on the run home as well. So keep shorting them up, and they'll get knocked out in straight sets. So, so probably the last bit here is a bit of insider, inside football analytics for people looking for some value. So things that are predicting winners long-term this year, the most important predictors is scoring shots created and scoring shots conceded per game, not your accuracy and not how many points you actually kick. So that's the best predictor of future results. The two best teams in the competition at the moment for that are Port Adelaide and Geelong. So Port Adelaide is ranked second in shot creation and third for shot defence. And that's the flip for Geelong. So they're ranked third for shot creation and second for shot defence. By far and away, the two best teams at both of those metrics. Where teams like St Kilda and West Coast struggle is because they are ranked so highly in shot conversion, it covers up the rest of the fact they don't actually make that many shots. So 
St Kilda's ranked ninth for inside 50s. West Coast is ranked 13th. So if they come up against a side that doesn't allow easy shots, so we're looking at Geelong's, we're looking at Port Adelaide's, we're looking at Brisbane's with their frontal pressure, they won't get those easy looks, they don't, they don't kick as accurately, and suddenly their score drops down to what it should be, which is around about 50% goal accuracy. So add in the fact that they'll be playing away from their hub, add in the fact that other teams, better defensive teams, will make them kick from different positions they're not used to, and suddenly they're not this you know, clinical, methodical juggernaut that everyone thinks they are. Whereas teams like Port Adelaide, teams like Geelong, teams like Brisbane, that create an excess amount of shots and then even more so defend those uh, shots being scored against them are better looks long-term, regardless of where they play, what the kicking situation is, what the weather's like, what the wind's like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm very much still on Port and I'm very much still on Geelong. We saw that when Geelong played West Coast for weeks ago. It was just the fact that West Coast were probably a couple of men down for that game mm. that they rested and um, a few things went their way with umpire, but they were still in the game the whole way through. And uh, yeah, like I said, you won't get that next week. You'll get it. Uh, well, sorry, when they play next, you'll get it at Queensland at the Gabba, which Geelong have a bloody good record at the Gabba as well. So just be mindful of that. The only downside I do see for Geelong is if the grand final is played at the Gabba, which looks likely, and Jonathan Brown has spoken about this a lot, is the um, centre, centre bounce clearances where – they are very, very poor in, and because it's such a, it is actually a small ground. Uh, the Gabba, if you lose a set of bounce, it's deep inside your forward fifty. And for those teams like your Port and your Brisbane's that play that front half game, and it's going to get locked in there, then it's going to be an interesting thing to see what happens with Geelong and when that sort of stuff happens. So, anyway, it's that's that's for a bit further, a bit further down the track. So to bring our uh, spectrum back a bit closer to the, this upcoming weekend, let's get into our round 13 previews. Only three games this week are expected to be decided by less than two goals, but I think there's at least six games where an argument can be made for the upset win. So, Baz, please join me in my favourite game of Why Shouldn't I Tip? And it starts on Friday, 7.50, Gold Coast, $2.60 outsiders against Carlton, $1.50 favourites at TIO Stadium in Darwin for the first game of Indigenous Round in 2020. And Baz, why shouldn't I tip Gold Coast? Um, just firstly, I love the, the fact that Indigenous Indigenous Round and the, the Dreamtime game is going to be in Northern Territory this year. It's awesome. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it and hopefully everyone else does as well. And Hopefully those trolls and people that we give too much airtime to just uh, go in a little hole and die. Um, a part of me wanted to tip Gold Coast because I really like – I've tipped them most of the time this year. I really like the way they're going about it, probably because I've got a Stewie do uh, a bit of a – Man crush. Love. love for. Um, but I just can't see – they've had they've – had, they've had so many games. I think this is their – so from the 2nd of August, this will be their – fifth game or fourth game, I'm pretty sure. So, and they've had another short turnaround after Monday. They look tired in that last quarter against Richmond. They play a certain brand of football that's high intensity, high pressure, that's pretty taxing on the body. So I worry that they're going to, they might be in the game for the first half, quarter, uh, to, you know, three quarters, but then Carlton's probably had, have too much of over the top of them. Carlton have had a you know, week's rest. They had a pretty good win last week against Fremantle. Um, you know, come from behind as well. So maybe that's in a that's in a play in Carlton's favour. And I think Carlton, while they're way too short at a dollar fifty, you know, would not be taking that. Uh, definitely, the team you should be tipping here, just from the safe side of things. And if I was to have a play around with uh, 
my money, I would probably be looking similar to Monday night Gold Coast to lead at halftime into Carlton leader uh, to win the game. So full time, uh, that that could be a bit of value. But where where Gold Coast been really really good is they're intercept marking across half back. They're so good with Lukosius, um, Budrick and Collins. They've got a really good back line. They're really solid down there, and they don't give up big scores anymore. They're, they're very good coming out of there as well. They get Harbrow back, which will add to that. Lukosius can hit. He could hit a five-cent piece from 100 metres away, I reckon, with his kicking at the moment. He's unbelievable. Under any any sort of pressure, their ball movement's really great. Took Miller should be in the top three or four for the Brownlow. Uh, I reckon he will. If there's a market out there for top five or top ten finishes, look at Took Miller and see what sort of value he is. But for me, I just think Carlton have too much. Uh, we'll be too fresh and Cripps won't let them uh, lose this game, I don't reckon. He's in for a big one. So interesting you mentioned the uh, little half-time, full-time bet there. So that plays around nicely with their quarter-by-quarter metrics this year. So Gold Coast ranked uh, second overall for second-quarter performances, um, and they've ranked in the top six for first-half performances, whereas Carlton's outside the eight. The reverse is true for last quarters. So Carlton ranked second for final-quarter performances, Gold Coast ranked 17th, which we've seen time and time again this year them fade out late. So that is probably what is going to happen. However, history is against Carlton and a couple of factors here as well. So Carlton has lost each of its last 14 Friday night matches. And furthermore, Carlton has failed to cover the line in each of their eight starts as a favourite. So they do not handle favouritism well and they don't put teams away. So if Gold Coast can lead at half time, you know that Carlton are going to let them be staying in the game all the way to the end. And chances are you're not going to get, you know, some... Uh, some uh, comfortable umpiring in the last 20 seconds of a game to help you out and let you get the win after the siren two weeks in a row. Yeah. So, I was actually just thinking, would, would the bet be here? Because both, so obviously both teams have had a lot of close games this year. Gold Coast have lost like four or five games by less than a kick. Would the bet be either team under 15 and a half? Because you'd probably get over two bucks for that. And that's, you know, you know, it's going to be a close game. And, you know, if you're a Betfair sort of man, you'd probably be doing a bit of betting live and play because I reckon you can get make some money off that because Gold Coast will, like I said, will probably start well and be in the game at half time. But I just worry about their legs. I worry about how many games they've played. Like I saw them last week, they sort of tired and started getting a bit fumbly and made mistakes in that last quarter that they're probably not used to their making. But I just worry again, you know, they're off another four-day break. Are they going to be up to the, you know, to the game, they've had the travel as well. So of Carlton, but you know they've had a few extra days. So yeah, I just reckon a, a part of me really wants to tip Gold Coast, but I, I think the smart way to go about it is by tipping Carlton. Uh, interestingly, there either team by less than fifteen points is paying two dollars thirty. So that's probably the smart money, as you just pointed out. Yeah. Something about me also likes Gold Coast. Carlton aren't as good as Richmond, and Richmond suffered that that lag of playing off too many days break. Because they can't. The difference this year is you don't get to train. So, and I think yeah. uh, Dimo mentioned this in a couple of his press conferences is that it's not like you can load up in a nine day break or whatever it is and, and get an extra training session in and be ready to go and fit and firing for match day. It's basically just downtime and groups of nine training and one big training session a week. So, those extra days breaks are seeming to have a bit more impact on game flow, especially in the early any early part of the game. So. Again, this is leading also Gold Coast at least leading at half time, and then it probably may be hanging on for dear life. So I'm very tempted here to pick pick Gold Coast. I'm probably going to pick Gold Coast. I'm going to put that on record there. Gold Coast to lead at half time and get the win. You know, roll that together for at least about four bucks probably. 
you'll take the safe money and go with Carlton. Saturday at 1.45, the Western Bulldogs are $2.15 outsiders against Melbourne, $1.71 favourites. They're playing at Metricon Stadium. The line here is five and a half over under 1.31. And Baz, tell me why I shouldn't pick the doggies. Well, it's going to be interesting because I don't think uh, English is going to be playing. And I think Bruce is out as well. He left the track early uh, at training yesterday or today. Um, Max Gore might not get up. Obviously, Jackson's already injured. So it could be um, Caleb Daniel and Spargo and the Ruck for both teams. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. I assume that um, the Doggies will bring in um, their other Ruckman. I can't, his name escapes me right now, but it'll be for his first game. And there's a bit of – the Western Bulldogs faithful do like him a bit. So I'll find out his name in a second. Just remember, I've got to remember his name. But of a few of the Doggy mates I know, uh, they've talked up – They've talked him up a little bit, but he's a bit raw still. But I reckon the, the doggies are a really good chance here because what they will challenge Melbourne with is that handball game out of a out of a stoppage, which we know that Melbourne tend to overcrowd a stoppage and try and get more numbers there. And this is why the doggies generally play pretty well against Richmond. Um, and if they can get that going and, and break away from the stoppage, I think there's going to have – I'm not really sold on Melbourne's defence. I know, um, like I said, they've played three ordinary teams who can't score the last three weeks, so it's made them look a lot better. But, you know, you still look at Lever. He makes some really strange decisions and big mistakes. Yeah, May is a good player, but he doesn't really ever play on anyone. Um, so I just, I just find – I just reckon that, you know, Norton, uh, he kicked six last week. I still reckon he should be playing defence, but him and Josh Bruce and – you know, whether they bring someone else in like Shaki just to shore it up down there as well with the with the ruck stocks, who knows? But I, I just have a feeling that the doggy's going to run over the top of them and be too good and be too hard for them. And we'll see that the form lines of Melbourne actually haven't stacked up that well. And hopefully the doggies aren't um, still feeling too fresh after playing uh, pretty much training cones last week. So That is the interesting part about these form lines. And so do you back in... Melbourne, who have beaten up no one basically, so they got touched up by Port, and then they beat uh, Adelaide and Adelaide North and Collingwood all by fifty plus points. Or do you take yeah. a team like the Doggies, who have been had a tough game against the Suns, got beaten up by Richmond, Port, and Brisbane, but then came out last week and freshened up against Adelaide? And I think for mine, you go with the Doggies because they've at least they've had the contest. They know what it's like to play real football, albeit the training run last week. Whereas Melbourne, and historically, this Melbourne outfit of 30-odd players loves to drink their own bathwater and they would be drinking it up at the Amazing because they're plus 150 in the last three weeks. Other parts that kind of highlight that Fox footy is selling a bit of a, bit of a lie here is that Despite this Melbourne team showing all the great insights of a you know a working both ways football team, they have allowed their opponents the best disposal efficiency out of any team. So they are not a pressure team, Melbourne. They do not apply pressure. They do not work hard off the ball. They are ranked last for that for that stat. And then alternately, their inside fifty woes aren't fixed, as you said. They've just been playing teams that can't defend at the moment. So in the last two rounds, they've scored from fifty percent of their inside fifties. Up until round nine, they only scored from thirty five percent. The dogs can defend. So you were the first half against Collingwood. They they should have they should have been ten goals up at half time. Mm. They only like a couple because they just couldn't hurt us. And the goals they did score from our stupidity and poor defending. Like you know, I tipped Melbourne. I was happy to have Melbourne you know, money on them as well and all that sort of thing. It was frustrating to watch because I hate losing to Melbourne. They get up once a year to play us because it's their only big game of the year anyway. But um, 
you know, good on them. They had a win, and they that they, they, you know they might finish above us and later, but they won't do any more damage than us. So, and I just reckon the doggies are going to come out and put them back in their box a bit this week, and pretty much also because the doggies know that if they lose this, their season's pretty much done as well. So, um, I reckon there's more to play for the doggies. I reckon they're going to be pretty hard to beat at Metricon. Yep. And when you say come out, I exactly agree with you. So Doggies are ranked sixth in quarter one performances. Melbourne are ranked 13th. So Doggies to win the first, Doggies to win overall is paying $3.30. That would be my play for that game. Uh, Saturday, 8-10, Fremantle are $1.57 favourites against Sydney. $2.36 outsiders at Optus Stadium. The line here is 8.5, over under 105.5. And Baz, why shouldn't I pick the Swans after they touched up the Giants last week? I'll see this myself. I'll see, this is going to be a really good game of teams that have some really good young players and are probably a bit under underestimated by people in the footy media. Although they're starting to get jump on now. I noticed last night they'll start to talk about Sydney a bit more. But if it wasn't at Optus Stadium, I would definitely tip Sydney. But the fact that it's at Optus Stadium, I'm thinking about tipping Freire as a home game. They were pretty decent last week. Um, how much is the Isaiah Taylor sort of um, – Stuff going to affect Sydney. We've seen it affect other teams when they've had to come up and play after a few breaches. Um, you know, it's been pretty heavily in the media and there's been a bit of social media sort of stuff as well, which is all pretty ordinary from those people. Um, you know, and, and now Rampy's out for the year because he, really, he, he the screw broke in his um, hand against JWS or something like that. So I don't think he's going to be, from my understanding, he's been ruled out for the rest of the season. How much is that going to affect him when, you know, they've got Tabernacle who's been playing pretty well, Loeb. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting midfield battle. A couple of, you know, real young guns against each other as well. We saw Blakey go into the midfield last week with Sydney and had a massive impact. He's going to love – the Lizards going to love the big open spaces of Perth Stadium. He might get a few more. Um, I don't know whether it's going to be wet or not either. That might play a big factor. But I'm going to tip Fremantle, but I'm not very confident and I would not be punting or betting on this game or – I'd, but I'll tell you what, I bet you it's one of the better games of the weekend. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Nice close game. The only punting angle I found for this one would be the unders. So the Dockers conceded uh, 83 points on average in the last four rounds, the fewest of any side, and Sydney aren't a higher scoring side either. So another tight, exciting, tense all the way through the final quarter, I think. Um, yeah, lots of young and up-and-comers. Up probably a fair few uh, face palm mistakes as well, if we're going to be totally honest with it. But a good game of football to watch. And because of that, there's no need to punt on it because it's pretty unpredictable despite the huge favoritism to, to Fremantle there. So ingredients there. Probably tip Frio, but uh, leave it alone. Sunday at 3.35, Brisbane are forty favourites against St Kilda, who are $2.88 outsiders. They're playing at the Gabba. The line here is 15.5, the over-under 134. And... I just have to ask you this for the sake of the bit, but why should I not tip St Kilda Baz? I think St Kilda ran fan out a bit, although, you know, they played Essendon last week, on, but Geelong have uh, exposed their sort of weakness. They can only really score one way, and if you just set up for that pretty well and stop that, then they're pretty hopeless against like, at scoring. Like, they can't actually score the, any other way. And that's the sort of out-the-back um, deep entries. They score a lot from stoppage and from clearance work and not from defensive path or turnovers. So uh, obviously that, that stat will be blown up a bit because they played against um, Essendon last week. But the thing I loved about St Kilda at the moment is a bit like Port Adelaide, and there's a guy on uh, Twitter, I think it's is it Richard Little, uh, Richard Little. Yep. Um, he's for actually for his Essendon, uh, uh, I think he works for Essendon Footy Club, but he does a lot of statistics and little uh, analytical analytics of the game and um, – 
you see, he shows little circles of where the actual kicks go from a mark in the, in the defensive half. And you look at St Kilda, they change direction so, so much. They try and shift your defence, the zone, and they change direction and go straight away, which could uh, worry Brisbane as we'd like to know that. As we know, sorry, they like to really push up really high and defend really high, a bit like Port Adelaide, which means it's going to open them up over the back, which is the way St Kilda liked to, to do that and like to score. So that could be one little uh, out there for St Kilda, but... For me, I think Brisbane have been pretty flat the last few weeks. I think they've been looking for a challenge. Um, and I think this game could be the one. I think, you know, we saw Fagan really give him a bit of a bait last week at halftime. They just got over the line against North Melbourne. They're going to come out and just, I think they want to make a statement. But at the same time, I think St Kilda do as well because they've been smashed by the line and Collingwood when they've had big games against teams that are above them. So they're going to want to come out and make sure they they make a statement as well. But I just think Brisbane will be too strong or at the at, in their midfield depth and are on the outside and probably too good going forward. And I have a, I have a slight funny feeling that Brisbane might actually make a bit of a mess of security here. That was my gut feel as well. I think Brisbane are due to really tell up a side. And again, each time he's been presented with St Kilda taking on a challenge and taking it up to a top four team, they've failed and they've failed objectively. So I think it's. Like they got Port Adelaide pretty good. True. But all the stars are still aligned for that game. Yeah, true. True, true, true. But that Geelong one, boy, oh, boy, am I still sour about that Geelong game. But anyway, <laughs> a punter never forgets the bad beats. Speaking of, of punting angles on this one, another interesting stat for you is that St Kilda don't like the main break. So Brisbane are ranked fifth in third quarters. St Kilda are ranked 17th. So, again, if you're looking for a value add, Brisbane to win the third and Brisbane to win overall extends those odds out to $2.22 which is a much better value than the shorter odds you're going to get for Brisbane playing at home. Brisbane should be winning this. Brisbane should be proving to uh, everyone that they should be the premiership favourites, especially if the grand final will be played in Brisbane, which is looking very likely. So another premiership uh, audition pass by Brisbane this week is my, my tip. Into some more dubious upset alerts, but I think they are possible, if not probable. So Sunday, 6.10, West Coast $1.29 versus GWS, $3.50. They're playing Optus Stadium. The line here is three goals. You're over under 118. Baz, why shouldn't I pick the Giants? Why can't I hope for a bounce back? Because uh, they're shit. Just hit West Coast because they're, they're not coming back from what they dished up last week. No hope at all? Not even with the, all, the, all that talent, all those players? No, there's no hope in how they can sort themselves out. That, that, you can't sort that out in a week. That, that's that, and they've been like that for a few weeks now. And I reckon, yeah, they're they're deplorable. And uh, yeah, West Coast will probably give him a, a hiding. Fair enough. That was my gut feel, but it's always just something in the back of my head about the Giants being like they should win a game or two here. But no, not based on last week. Do you have an opinion on the uh, hottest take in sports at the moment, which is should Lee and Cameron be sacked at the end of the year? Oh, he's a bit like Scott, isn't he? He's taken him. Well, Scott's won a flag though, but he's taken him to pretty close a lot for a while. And, you know, grand final last year, they didn't get the job done, but the, the current, the way they're playing footy this year at the moment is a, is a worrying sign there seems to be a few things going on with the players because they're not turning up here. Like Jeremy Cameron hasn't d- done anything for two years. So what's that say where he's heads out? Is, is he looking to leave end of the year or, or what's going on? So, um, yeah, look, I'm a bit worried about where they're at, to be honest. And I think a lot of it will come down to the end of the year where, where players go and what players do. But I wouldn't be surprised if a few uh, few left. And that's probably why well, Leon Cameron's been given another two years, I believe. But it's a handshake deal. It hasn't been put in, you know, 
pen the paper yet, but yeah, I'm a bit worried about where they're at. But yeah, it's the same with like Collingwood and stuff like that. Like, I think GWS Collingwood, uh, even to a certain point, Melbourne, like you, you only need one one player to probably fix things and probably change your style a bit. And just you need the coaches to. I reckon a couple of coaches have got this year wrong with their game style, and Collingwood's one of them. GWS is another. They probably didn't see the game going the way it was. It's going. Mm-hmm. So, um, and like I said, there's no training and no group training. It's pretty hard to change a game style yeah. with groups of eight and not getting a group together. So, yeah, and it's pretty hard for GWS to fix their issues without again training together and doing that sort of stuff. So steer clear of the Giants. And the last one in the potential upset alerts, Monday, 7-10, Collingwood are $1.33 favourites against North Melbourne. $3.25 outsiders, they're playing at the Gabba. The line here is 16.5, the over-under 118. And Baz, you tipped Melbourne last week. Will you be tipping North Melbourne this week? I said a few weeks ago, if we lost to Adelaide, I was never, I was not talking footy or ever doing footy, anything footy-related again. Um, if we lose to North, I could... Uh, I could be you, – you probably won't find me for a few weeks. How confident are you of a win? Uh, 70%. All right. I'll go look for a backup host then just in case. <laughs> oh, I'm worried. But uh, surely – hopefully we get a couple of players back. Um, we're a bit battered by injuries, but that's no excuse. Um, and, yeah, hopefully we can get the job done. Surely you get the job done because, like, you know, I think North had their game last week. They, they had their pincher win game against Brisbane and they didn't get it, so. Yeah, I, I really hope so. Yeah. And you can't play that bad I've, forever, Collingwood, surely. Uh, You're not a bottom four side. You're not a bottom four I side. I really hope so. And then we'll move swiftly on to the back half of the round. These are our tip and forget games. Uh, basically, the opposite in his effect here, Baz. Just let me know if there's any chance of an upset of any of these games. So Saturday, 4.35, Port Adelaide are $1.18 favourites against the Sociable Hawks, apparently. $5 outsiders at the Adelaide Oval. 23 is the line, One twenty the over-under. Can Hawks cause an upset? Uh, no way. Port will flog them. Port should do it. Port, Hawthorne have struggled to score. They've, they've got no forward line. And they lose Sicily, who's probably their you know main defender down back. Their defense is getting t- torn up by key talls lately as well, Hawthorne. So yeah, Dixon is due after a pretty poor week last week. I don't expect Port Adelaide's intensity to be as low as it was against Geelong. We saw in that Geelong Port Adelaide game. They're both up there. I think they're both top three for contested possessions before last round, and both up until you know midway throughout the third quarter, they were. I think it was like one of the lowest contested ball numbers we've seen for the year. So in that game, so it showed the sort of intensity it was played out. It also showed that Geelong got their games, the game that they want, um, which it wasn't messy and all that sort of stuff. So Port Adelaide will get get it going their way, and really, uh, yeah, I feel for Hawthorne. It could be a few pretty tough last few weeks for the Hawks. Absolutely. They're a bottom three side this year for a reason. They're ranked uh, third last for scores for and scoring shots for, and they're ranked third last for points against and scoring shots against. So everything points towards a Port Adelaide absolute domination. Saturday at 7.40, Essendon are a $4.40 outsiders against Richmond, $1.20 favourites at TIO Stadium for Dreamtime at Darwin, which, as you said, will be absolutely fantastic to watch. But uh, beyond the pre-match uh, ceremonies and all the good things that come with uh, the Indigenous game and the Dreamtime game between these two clubs. Is there any easy reason to watch beyond the first bounce? Nah. We saw, we've seen the last few weeks with Essen's ball movement just be really slow, stagnant, 
not really much. And I go back to that Richard Little guy on Twitter. He does that little circle of their angles. They're very, very repetitive, which means for Richmond, it's going to be very, very easy to defend like it was for St Kilda and like it has been for teams the last few weeks, even Gold Coast. So, And their defence is, is pretty easily to score against. So we saw last week uh, St Kilda just score at will for the first quarter, two quarters, and then it kind of tightened up a bit. As I think St Kilda took the foot off the pedal, Richmond will want to be winning and winning big. Percentage might play a part, so... They'll be coming out and, uh, yeah, putting putting Essendon away pretty comfortably. If they don't, I feel you Richmond fans might get a message off me. <laughs> you have been warned, <laughs> listeners. And uh, finally, Sunday, 105, Adelaide $8.50 outsiders against Geelong. They're $1.06. They're playing the Adelaide over the line here is 37 and a half. The over-under, over 130. Simple question, Geelong by how much, Baz? Um. They'll win. They'll win by about 40 or 50 points. But uh, Adelaide will want to use this game as a nice little freshen up because in two weeks, on the 1st of September, they play Hawthorne, which should get them their first win for the year. So they'll just be doing everything right just to be, make sure they're right for their, their game against Hawks in two weeks, Adelaide. So you wouldn't be taking the $3 or $2.50 for Adelaide to go winless this year? No, I wouldn't. If they don't beat if they don't beat Hawthorne, then they won't win a game. But their only chance this year to win a game in Adelaide is against Hawthorne. And this this week is the tune up against the uh, second best team in the comp, Geelong. Yeah, uh, yeah. This will be this will be over. Like, they've been plucky Adelaide. They've been sticking with teams to you know half time or so, but then they just get run over the top. They haven't got enough quality on the park. And you know Taylor Walk Taylor Walker's two hundred fiftieth game, I think it is. So. They might get up for that for a bit, but then just quality in class will take over. Geelong will literally have to not rock up for Adelaide. Like they'll have to like only five blokes will have to play Adelaide to win. Um, also interesting that they're talking about Tex Walker is done at year's end. A lot of people, and even his own press conference sort of stated that, that he won't be at Adelaide next year, Tex Walker. What club will take Tex Walker, you reckon? A really desperate one, but like that's Adelaide anyway, so... No one, really. If he leaves Adelaide, he's done. I could actually, I was thinking about this. I was actually thinking about this. And I reckon he'd be like good at a club, probably lower down the, down a bit like a, even like a Gold Coast, I reckon I could see him going to. But I, I, I don't know how much if you went to a club, I don't reckon Stewie would have him because he probably wouldn't fit the mold of player that Stewie wants. Um, but it'd be, it's interesting to see what we're, where he would end up because I don't think there's that many clubs that he would suit at the moment. And his form hasn't been electric and like obviously he's getting older and he's not playing in a very good side, but he'd probably be cream on the top of someone, but then who could – I imagine his wage packet wouldn't be very small. So, um, yeah, just interesting times, whether a St Kilda – someone like a St Kilda or Essendon would pick him up. Um, that would be very St Kilda Essendon-like, but – if you, went, if you came to Collingwood, I'd probably cry. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting to see where he ends up. But, anyway, that that's just takes up some more time from because I just didn't want to talk about the game too much because Geelong wins pretty easily. <laughs> and fair enough too. Time for everyone's favourite segment, Money Making Time, our feature bets for round 13. And Baz, lead us off with your best bet for the weekend's action. 
I think my best bet's going to be the Doggies at 2.15. Love your style there. Nice little upset as your best bet. My best bet is Brisbane to win the third quarter and to win overall against St Kilda, which is paying $2.22. What's your value bet then for the weekend, Baz? Um, I like... I'm liking the doggies. So even the doggies, two fifteen into either team in the Gold Coast Carlton game at two dollars thirty. That gets you roughly five dollars for the multi. Lovely stuff there. I'm going to doggies as well. So we're tipping a lot of money into the Western Bulldogs. This is never good news. So probably fade us this week. Dogs come out of the gates just like uh, Thursday night at Grifton or something. Uh, dogs to win the first quarter. Dogs to win overall is paying three dollars thirty. And your roughy for the weekend, Bats. Well, it's my roughy, but it's also, I reckon, a bloody good bet. So um, I've been doing a fair bit of this lately where I pick five or six players over the weekend. Last week, I got five out of six legs or four out of five legs. Or I was definitely one leg down because Ollie Wines was one touch away, unfortunately. But um, this week, Jack Lacocious to get 15 or more. Jack McCray to get 25 or more. Clayton Oliver to get 25 or more. Taylor Adams to get 25 or more, or Nocky Neal to get 25 or more, and that's paying $5.66 for that five-leg multi, and you'd probably get a little boost on that to get just over six bucks. Yeah, so most of those players should be in the posies in the games because obviously Melbourne and Doggies, that'll, that'll be a high-possession game, so those players should get that. Taylor Adams should be able to get that against the North Melbourne midfield. Nocky Neal racks up 25 consistently, and Lacocious, he kicks in all the time for Gold Coast. He also is their distributor from the the back half, um, and I reckon he should get at least 15 touches on the weekend. Very, very nice. Mine's a bit more audacious, and I'm just gone with basically this is quarter by quarter. How you win a game is how you win this bet over the weekend, and it's basically an amalgamation of those two previous bets plus the Gold Coast. So Brisbane to win the third quarter, Brisbane to beat St Kilda, plus the Doggies to win the first. Doggies to win overall against Melbourne. Gold Coast to win, be leading at halftime. Gold Coast to win head-to-head. And that is paying a lovely and juicy $27. That's how they'll win those games if they are good to cause those upsets. And uh, that's how you'll get your bulk outside of cash this weekend. That brings us to the end of What Are The Odds for our round 13 preview. And uh, enjoy the football in a more regular time slot this weekend. And we'll see you again next Thursday. Until then, Baz, stay safe and enjoy the footy.